0: Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. Uh, this is the second in the chapel series. Uh, I guess I forgot to do this last night. Um, we are here to the race and keep the faith. Absolutely and because I forgot to do it last night let's do it again. Finish, Finish the, race the race and race. Keep, <laughs> keep the, the faith. Day. This is the second of the 35th annual the long sermon series chapel services. Uh, in the bulletin that you that you have in the in the left hand side of the inside, it'll, it'll explain it to you, Dr. DeLong and his family were influential in the Church of the Nazarene for a number of years, and I'm old enough to have remembered hearing Russell be DeLong, not Thomas. I'm not that old, um, but, I, but I did hear Dr. DeLong and, and his ministry. So we honor his, we honor both of their ministries through this process. Um, Christian preaching professors nominate students and those students then submit manuscripts. Those manuscripts are evaluated and then students are invited to preach in, in this series. Uh, the preacher for the evening is David Middendorf. He is from North Carolina. His wife Sharon is with them and so I need you to welcome them. And he's not just from North Carolina, he is from North carolina um, they They made the trip yesterday uh, in order to uh, in order to be a part of this service and and we're glad you did looking forward to your ministry. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Uh, they have two children, Jason and Anna. Anna is married to Jen Young. They have three grandchildren, Nevin, Bryce, and Connor. They live in Burlington, North Carolina, attend the Powerline Church of the Nazarene in, in Elon, is that what i say? Elon, North Carolina, and he's been an online student since spring A of 2004, so he's feeling your pain. <laughs> in fact, I asked I ask, I ask him how he spent the day, you know, because for us, this is the first day we've seen the sun in a week and a half. Now, he read um, Plain Account, Mark Quantstrom's book, and John Wesley's 16th sermon, so that's, he was just right there with you. Um, Before becoming a student at NBC, he worked for 32 years at Carolina Biological Supply Company in Burlington, and God called him to full-time ministry. He said about his call, served as minister of music at his home church, Powerline, Church of the Nazarene, for 11 years when God called me to be a minister to the biker community so he said, I argued and then I surrendered and I began making music with a different set of pipes. So presently he is the biker pastor at Powerline and he leads Uncaged Biker Ministries. He has a nonprofit corporation called Uncaged Outreach Ministries that helps churches begin non-traditional outreach to bikers, bars, and prisons. At the Nazarene General Assembly in Orlando, they will kick start notice the phrase, "kickstart" and dedicate the Nazarene Motorcycle Fellowship and International Association of Christian Bikers Winning the Lost for Christ. And then, uh, as I described yesterday, we asked for additional comments about something else that would help him know uh, him better. And he said, my calling would not be complete without Sharon, and neither would I. So, David, if you'd come, I just want to recognize you in this other way pleased to award to David Middendorf this certificate in recognition of your participation as a preacher in the DeLong sermon series on March the 6th, 2009, Colorado Springs, Nazarene Bible College. We're looking forward to your ministry. Okay. We're going to sing about the power of Jesus I need you to stand make sure that you're close to somebody because if we're going to sing about Jesus you shouldn't sing it alone
1: let's pray Lord we thank you today for uh, your goodness your grace your mercy the peace that we have in serving you Lord there is no better place to be than where we are to be in you. I pray Lord tonight that you would uh, bless your word and our time together and Lord would you help us to to see you tonight. May the spirit be real in this place and all God's children said Amen. Amen. Be seated. I was in Kansas City at headquarters which is always a thrill and uh, I was up there as a biker I had my, my leathers on and my, my biker junk and, and uh, tattoos all hanging out and an earring and the whole bit and long hair. and You know, when you walk into headquarters, they're not exactly expecting that, especially in the uh, SDMI part of it. So a uh, guy come out in a suit and tie, looking really good, and he said, oh, I like your little biker outfit. and I said, well, I like your little preacher outfit. <laughs> So whenever you go up to a biker, don't say, I like your little biker outfit, because <laughs> they might not be as nice as I am, uh, and you might get a different kind of reaction. Uh, it is a privilege and an honor to be here. Uh, I've been here now for almost six years, uh, but uh, as an online student, what a wonderful experience. It really is good. Now if you'd have told me when I was a student at Trebekah that I'd ever go back to school again, I'd told you it was crazy. But then you know how the Lord is, uh, when he gets something in his mind, and uh, he sees that something needs to happen in your life, there's just no stopping him. And you can argue with him until you're blue in the face, but he doesn't fight fair. Uh, he changes your heart along the way, and so you have no leg to stand on, and uh, sometimes it can be frustrating, but I am, I am blessed to be here, and thank you all for being here tonight. Have you got your sword? draw your sword, let's, uh, let's see how sharp the edge is. <clears throat> bikers relate to that when you say if you got your sword with you, Christian bikers anyhow, and other bikers kind of start to tremble when you start talking about weapons, so uh, we use that a lot. <laughs> uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, <clears throat> and beginning in verse 17, story of a man that had hope in his life thanks to some friends of his. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. Let's stand together can we? As we read the word. One day as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Sometime in the morning hours of that day, a man who was living on a mat heard that a man was in town that had been doing remarkable things. In, in verse 15 we read, "...yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him, and to be healed of their sicknesses." Now, Scripture is not clear as to who was responsible for the decision to come to Jesus. Was it, was it his decision, or was it the decision of his four friends? Who had the faith? Well, regardless of whose idea it was, they were there, and they were going to, so they were going to see Jesus. That morning a decision was made that this limited life had gone on long enough. The inability to do what needed to be done was not going to be acceptable any longer. And Jesus was the answer. The barriers to movement for this man on the mat were just enough as they were. There was no way he was going to get to Jesus on his own. Without the help of his four friends, he was stranded and separated from the one that could heal him that day. Without these four friends, he was not going to see Jesus. Sometimes it's through the faith of others that our faith is strengthened. I found that to be true in my life. The four friends had the faith that if they could just get this man to Jesus, Jesus could heal him of his paralysis. He'd be set free from this bondage that had him trapped on this mat that kept him from doing what he wanted to do. Now, they, as they approached the house, there's a huge crowd around the house. You can't even see the front door. It's completely blocked. Everybody's straining to get a look at, at Jesus, and, and it's just a mess. It's a mob. Well, these four guys have got their friend. He's got a mat. He's got a rope tied to each end, and they're, they're toting him. They've been toting him for a long, long time. They were really good friends. (laughs) Have you been toting somebody for a long, long time because you're a really good friend, helping them along, trying to help their faith? Well, these guys were like that. Well, as they approached the house, it was obvious they weren't going through the front door, but they had not come this far to be turned back. They were going to see Jesus that day and they were going to get their friend in front of him. These men were the hands and the feet of their friend. They made their way to the roof where they began to break through the structure of the roof. They lowered him through the opening and they laid him at the feet of Jesus. Now, you're going to have to help me with this sermon tonight. You're going to have to be a part of it. I want you to put your place Put yourself in the place of this man that's on the mat. You got that? Are you there or are you still just looking at me? (laughs) Put yourself laying down on this mat and you've just been lowered and you're lying there on the floor and this huge crowd is around you and you're looking up at the ceiling and there's this huge hole in the ceiling and there are your four friends and they're lying on their stomachs and they've got these ropes wrapped around their arms just because they've just lowered you down and they're still lying there and their hands are all scratched up and they're sweating because they had to do it fast so someone wouldn't stop them. I'm pretty sure they were bikers. <laughs> they also knew that this house was full of lawyers and that if they didn't get in quick, it was not going to be a good day. So they were pretty tired. They were sweaty. So their arms are still hanging down and they've still got the ropes kind of twisted. Can you see the the picture? There is now this shaft of sunlight that's coming in through that hole and little flecks of dust and some clay and straw is still kind of coming and filtering down through that sunlight and you're lying on the floor and you look up and there your four friends are just smiling ear to ear. And you read the lips of one of them as they look to the other three. And you you read their lips and he says, I told you we could do it. And they're just tickled to death. They got you where they needed to get you. Right in front of Jesus. So while you're taking all this in, suddenly a face moves in from the side. And it's kind. And it's smiling. And he looks at you and he looks up at your friends and he says, friend you have great faith your sins are forgiven well up until that point it's been pretty quiet as quiet as it can be with all those chunks of clay and dirt falling around but since he said that your sins are forgiven suddenly there's an uproar in the place and you hear the word blasphemy and you hear all sorts of other words and you're going wait a minute They're my sins. What business is that to all of them? Why are they so upset with this? And then another conversation takes place between Jesus and the crowd. And then you see his face again. And he looks down at you and he says something to you that you don't quite understand. He says to you, get up and you go, get up. What, what's that? I've never got up. I've been paralyzed my whole life. What does it mean, get up? Well, you've seen other people get up. So you think, I'll give it a shot. See if it'll work. So you draw your legs up under you and sure enough, you stand. Wobbly at first, but then you look down and there's your mat the one that you've lived your whole life on but now instead of lying on it you're standing on it and for the first time in your life you're looking at a person face to face and who is it? it's Jesus face to face the first time you've ever looked at anyone face to face standing up And it's the face of Jesus who has just healed you of a lifetime of paralysis and forgiven your sins. In order to be completely clear concerning the scripture, we need to understand that the paralyzed man in this story was forgiven of his sins and healed of his paralysis his paralysis didn't have anything to do with his sin two miracles happened that day the paralysis was healed and the sin was taken away that those who questioned Jesus authority might know of the authority that the Son of Man has on earth. In the last verse of this passage we read these words they were filled with awe and said we have seen remarkable things today. Indeed, they did see a remarkable thing that day. A great healing. A man paralyzed was restored and made to walk. But what I would like for us to consider tonight is, the, is what the crowd did not see. They did not see what happened on the inside of this man. Sure, they saw him get up. They saw his paralysis was gone. They saw Jesus do a tremendous miracle, but they didn't see what happened on the inside. When we hear of someone being paralyzed, we immediately think of a physical paralysis, a condition that causes partial or complete loss of voluntary motion. Voluntary motion means you move what you want to move. This man couldn't do that until now. This man was healed of these physical conditions that had limited his life. Jesus restored his ability to move and to feel and to live. They did indeed see remarkable things that day. Now, I paid attention when you came in tonight and I didn't see anybody carrying, anybody being carried in by four friends on a mat, so I'm thinking that probably we don't have anyone here in this particular auditorium that needs a healing for paralysis in that fashion. But what about our sin? What about the restrictions, the paralysis that our sin places on us? That keeps us from doing those things that we need to do. Doing those things that we want to do. Sin paralyzes our lives, it blocks our senses so that we are unable to move as we need to move we are unable to care as we need to care we're unable to love as we need to love and we're unable to serve as we need to serve sin paralyzes us, sin holds us fast and sin ties us to our own mats of ineffectiveness and low living Jesus instructed the man to take his mat and go home but that mat was tied to his physical healing and as such was a reminder that he now carried the mat that for so long had carried him. A reminder of the healing power of Christ that had set him free from the mat that he had lived on for so long. You see that day the man on the mat was not only given the ability to stand but he was also given something to stand for. He was now forgiven by Christ Jesus. This evening, I want us to consider another mat, one that sin restricts us to. We understand that sin is anything that separates us from God. Anything that separates us from God. Anything that limits our effectiveness for the Lord. Are there parts of our lives that have us paralyzed? Has anger towards a friend paralyzed your love? Has work paralyzed our time with God? Maybe the demands of school are paralyzing us. How's your devotional life these days? Has the loss of time with God placed you on a mat of ineffectiveness? Does money have you paralyzed? It does a tremendous job on our society these days. Are you depressed and you can't seem to find joy? Perhaps today you do not know Jesus, and that constant searching for meaning has you unable to do what you need to do. What if tonight I told you that there is one here who could heal our paralysis? and get us up off our mats. What if tonight we decided that living on a mat was not the best way to live? This limited life has gone on long enough. And the ability to do what needs to be done is not going to be acceptable any longer. Jesus was the answer for that man. And he is the answer for us tonight. Jesus is here, but instead of saying to you, take your mat and go home, He says, bring your mat to me and leave it with me. For I have taken your sin and removed it as far from you as the east is from the west. But you need to make the decision just like the man and his friends made. I don't care how many obstacles are between me and Jesus. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get off this mat of ineffectiveness. Now is the time and this is the place to look into the face of Jesus and ask him to take away that attitude, that habit, that lack of discipline, that addiction, that hate, that anger, that whatever keeps you paralyzed. Are you trapped on a mat? Would you like to be set free from your mat? It can happen. If you will accept the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that Jesus gives to those who believe on his name. The scripture says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. That power is here tonight. The power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can bring the healing we need to overcome the paralysis of sin that so easily besets our souls. As I sing this song, I pray that Christ through the Holy Spirit would draw us to a healing time in our lives this evening.
2: amazing grace how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me ding amazing God, my Savior. soon
0: God's people said, go in his peace.